1: Do you want to meet myself and Ollie Davis of Wrestle Ramble fame? Well, you can do just that by joining us at Wrestling Media Con on September 8th and 9th from the Bowlers Exhibition Center in Manchester, England. Ollie and I will be doing a live episode of Wrestle Ramble as well as signings and photos, but that's not all. Wrestling Media Con will have shows from Cultaholic, Inside the Ropes, Wrestling with Regret, Don Callis, Botchermania, Art of Wrestling, Sean Waltman, and more. There will also be the first ever wrestling Media Hall of Fame and wrestling shows from Impact Wrestling where they will be taking on the best the UK has to offer, and Revolution Pro Wrestling featuring the legendary Jushin Thunder Liger defending his British J Cup crown. Tickets are on sale now, so head over to WrestlingMediaCon.com. That's WrestlingMediaCon.com. Support WrestleTalk!
3: Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring, and a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Wrestle Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis. You've heard my voice a lot, but in the YouTube version of this show that was put out in audio format, and I'm joined. By the returning. Move aside, Shawn Michaels. Move aside, The Undertaker. It's even a better return than Kevin Owens after one week of quitting from Raw. It's Luke Owen. Hello,
1: SWAFT Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you?
3: I am actually very well. I'm happy you're back. Thanks, man. Uh... I'm, I'm very happy to be back. I really am. Once upon a time, several months ago, this would have been a huge, dramatic, overblown story. (laughs) But this time round... I just went away, mate. We didn't even really say that you were going away. My my wife even
1: said it. Oh, have you done a storyline with you going away this time? I was like, nope. I just said on one of the news episodes, get
3: away for two weeks. I'll be back soon. After the Wrestle Talk Cultaholic climax, especially the way it ended with us losing at SummerSlam... Yeah, good work on that. I'm just... uh, You were part of that! Yeah, but I, I got the... I have the high ground in that I said
1: that Charlotte was going to win, which would have tied us at the very least. So
3: I'm blaming you guys for the loss. So this recalls, in my head, uh, The Last King of Scotland, the movie about Idi Amin. Mm -hmm. And uh, who's the guy in that? Not, not Forrest Whitaker I was about but, to say Forrest Whitaker But you were talking about the other guy Well anyway The other guy's like You know but I told you All these terrible things would happen And you're on that guy's side But Eddie Amin, The evil dictator Genocidal maniac Says But you did not convince me oh. And that's what I feel towards you So you're an evil dictator No <laughs> No that, the, that analogy starts to fall down Oh there. when you get to that point Yeah Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we just we didn't even really talk about it. A lot of people were confused why <laughs> you weren't I on saw
1: the channel because I, I, I have been out of internet. I talk about this a little bit in the show, but I haven't had access to the internet or any four G or anything like that because I've been out in the Canada Wilds
3: where it's called four g it's called Rogers. I think, what?
1: yeah I believe that's what, it might be like their service provider or something like that's that That's such a Canadian thing Yeah Just, ah oh, Rogers,
3: when it's a c- nice guy
1: I arrived and Vodafone, who supplied my, um, my cell service, texted me and said like Hey, you're in one of our worldwide countries, you can roam all you like, it'll just cost you X amount per day Good eyeballs mate, every time I tried it just would not work, couldn't make calls, couldn't make text messages But it was actually quite nice to shut myself off completely only every now and again, would I get access to Wi-Fi, and I would try and download some podcasts in case I needed them. And I, so, the only bit of wrestling I've really caught up with is yours and Laurie's reviews of Raw and SmackDown for the last couple of weeks. And even then, I was listening to them while walking up a mountain, so I was my you know my concentration
3: wasn't always completely focused on the show. Well, that's all you need. Yeah, that's all you need is just in the background Wrestle Ramble, and you can stay up to date with nitpicking. Oh yeah. And uh you know character inconsistencies in WWE. I
1: found myself though being a member of the SWAF Nation at mm. one point though because Ugh. there was <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> because there was a point when you and Laurie were talking about Baron Corbin and you were like, "Oh, and they were really putting over on commentary that he's like this Golden Gloves background and he's got things like that." And I was go like oh, they say that in every match, mm. and you guys were saying like it's the first time you'd ever heard it. Okay, if I was on YouTube, I would have then left a comment was like, "Do you guys not actually listen to the commentary?" Because they
3: say that in almost every match, and you would be well within your rights to do so. I don't want to, I don't want to throw fake door under the bus, but I did go, "Huh, really? Is that the first time?" Because I famously do not listen to the commentary. <laughs> you it, do. Not. It washes over me. I like it a lot more that way.
1: We you talk about it on this show, it, mm. I actually even saw it in your notes that it was about the second or third match that you were like, <laughs> oh, Renee Young's on
3: commentary. It was, to be fair, it was the first match of the show. It just happened to be the second or third second. segment <laughs> uh, where she was already shown on camera. Yeah. But yeah, so so Canada... Yes, Canada. See Bret Hart. I did not. Did Natalia run down and uh, make you her best friend?
1: No, uh, neither did Trish Stratus or anything like that. I did not see any Canadians uh, of the wrestling variety. Anyway, I saw obviously a lot of actual Canadians.
3: I actually spoke to Don Callis while you were away. I know you. Yeah. So <laughs> I spoke to a Canadian. Canadian wrestling. within within
1: the wrestling world. Yeah. I I did not. Um, but it was yeah, it was great. So we started in vancouver that's where we landed Mm. we landed there on sunday afternoon um i love this play-by-play
3: yeah it's a level of detail you don't have to go into. No. But but you're providing it for the SWAF nation.
1: Well that's what I like to do. And then I'll give you a brief rundown. We then drove to Whistler which was an Olympic uh, town. This is how my dad
3: describes holidays. Yep. Travelling. Just like and times how long
0: each journey
1: took. Well yeah it took quite a few hours. Some of them were like eight hour drives. Um, And then we were there from Whistler for a couple of days. Then we drove up to Wells Grey where we stayed in these sort of lodges. things. We were camping pretty much the whole time we were there cooking on Stoves and stuff I ended up becoming The dad of the group Because I was always up First thing in the morning Setting up the stove Big daddy Cool yeah, Well cool Would not be the word I would use Because
3: Just Big daddy Yeah Easy.
1: Because I was at, at the most I mean I, I, I'm as, I was a decade older Than most people there In one case One of the girls Was 19 So I was A decade plus Don't older high than her. five me
3: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly <I> was, Luke <laughs>
1: so i was a decade plus older than she was um i found out as well while talking to my guide that um trek america who i did this with have an age cutoff point where they essentially decide you're too old to do these tours now
3: what age is that 38 so okay. i was
1: six years under it but even so i was like you know uh, she was talking about one of the tours she had that a cut off age at 30.
3: Mm. i was like i just would not be able to do that tour famously 18 to 30 club holidays mm-hmm. that has a cut-off point although i went as a 16 year old and definitely uh, there were people over 30 there. So I don't know how rigidly those kinds of laws are enforced. Absolutely, yeah. But
1: So from Wells Gray, we then went to Jasper, spent a couple of days in both of those, went canoeing in Wells Gray, which I did not enjoy. I did not care for canoeing. I mm. much prefer kayaking. Luke shoots on canoeing. It's it's boring. I'll tell you that oh, much. I'm going wow. to shoot hard on it. It's a 4 out of 10 is oh, what it is. Oh, 4 out of
3: 10 for canoeing?
1: It's the Triple H of water sports. Oh. It's, it is it is. I apologise if anyone is a canoeing fanatic on this show, but I think it is utterly boring. It is the most frustrating,
3: boring thing you could possibly do on water. Oh my God, someone's going to upload this (laughs) as an isolated clip from YouTube and loads of new flip-dee-dip-dee spot monkey canoe enthusiasts (laughs) are going to go crazy at you. Yeah, dot, 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 canoe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so didn't enjoy canoeing. Uh, Then we went up to Jasper. Uh spent a couple of days there Went on some lovely hikes Then went across to Golden Where we went whitewater rafting Now that is awesome Whitewater rafting is really good This is a really busy Sunday um, oh, I said I spent a couple of days Oh, okay. yeah, oh right, I yeah. thought it
3: was still on Sunday No, no, no. You hadn't updated the time
1: <laughs> I have said I spent a couple of days okay. in each of them uh, Then Golden, a couple of days there And then we went off to Banff A couple of days there Banff? Banff, yes, F which I okay. said to Kate, my wife, uh, accidentally said her name there, uh, sounds like a comic book popper, like when someone mm. does a big punch on someone. It's an onomatopoeic word, um, which I very much enjoyed. I liked Banff, actually. Banff was really pretty.
3: So my knowledge of Canadian settlers is, is predominantly English and Canadian. Mm-hmm. Sorry, obviously. <laughs> English and French. Yeah. So, But that sounds kind of like a Dutchy German word. Hmm. Well... Yeah, I mean, I don't don't know
1: where it came from, to be honest with you. Uh, They did give us a lot of Canada history, but I'm pretty rubbish with, like, paying attention to things like that. And I will listen, but as soon as that's done, I will then have forgotten. It's an audio bath. Yeah. That doesn't really go in you. Yeah, pretty much. And then from Banff, we uh, finished up our trip in Calgary, and then uh, my wife and I then flew back from Calgary to Vancouver and spent a few days there. And I really like Vancouver.
3: It's like a chilled-out New York. That's how I would describe it. And it's uh, pretty, pretty wicked. Because I'm Luke Owen <laughs> and I can compare things to New York. Because I have been to both. Ooh, <laughs> <I'm>... Cosmopolitan <Luke. laughs> I have spent
1: six days total in both places. You know what? You've come back as a real dick, Luke Owen. <laughs> um, but can I tell you a really funny story about the group that
3: I was in? Please do. Bearing so- in mind... We've got another podcast to record. Yes. And we've got 50, 40 seconds left of this intro.
1: Okay. Well maybe Do you we'll, want to
3: save it to the end?
1: Okay, maybe we'll save it to the yeah. end then. Yeah, I think it's worth saving until the end. Cool. But can I I really delve into it. Yeah, but I would very much recommend Canada. I think Canada is an amazing country. Um, I sadly didn't meet any members of the SWAF Nation while I was out there. Cheap yeah. pots. Um, someone uh, did offer me tickets for a... Um, uh, thing like a sightseeing tower which i th- thought was in vancouver it wasn't it was in toronto so that was no use to me unfortunately and someone even offered us to go round to their house and they were going to cook us a meal which wow. i thought was such a nice offer it's From uh, one of our pledge champions uh, james which i thought was such a lovely offer but um i i didn't potentially want... also a serial uh, killer well i, I no, yeah you know a bit from alan partridge uh, I, I just didn't want to impose on mm. anyone i was i'd much rather spend money out um, but I would say this about Canada, and this very much is a North American thing. Um, just pay your staff better so I don't have to constantly tip people or worry that I'm not tipping them enough and therefore they can't afford to buy their groceries. I'm not going on holiday to fill holes in your economy. Yes. Just and, and it's a messed up system. It's like Steve Buscemi says in Reservoir Dogs. I have to tip these people over here, but if you go into McDonald's or Tim Hortons, you don't tip them. Why not? They get paid the same crappy wage
3: as the other people. It's a weird social thing that is is so embedded it's considered the norm yeah it's so it's <coughs> so weird but i my dad I don't know. That's a whole other. That's a whole other conversation. I love it whenever your conversation start with, "Oh, my dad." Uh, oh, you don't even want to. <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm of your mindset, but somehow my dad, who is also of our mindset, manages to make it a noxious <laughs> thing where he makes a big point of only tipping people a minuscule amount if the service has been exemplary. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, before we get into the main show, we have a bonus episode going up. Uh, in the next 24 hour period, it'll go up at some point, yeah. Just just to pre warn you, uh, it's, it's not with us. Mm. It's of the sort of the writing staff behind the magazine, of which we are, you know, of course, also a part, but it was very busy last week. I couldn't make the tapings. Luke was in Canada. But uh, yet, yeah, uh, James Dixon, who's the Wrestle Talk magazine editor, You've got Andy Datson, the, one of the lead writers on the website, Greg Lambert, again, another website guy who's written wrestling books, Finley Martin. From Power Slam Magazine, the former editor of that. And, you know, inside the ropes is Kenny McIntosh. So it's a four out of five show. Yeah, exactly. With with that guy. But yes, let's get on with the podcast. Well, the actual show, because this was the podcast. You can do these links. (laughs) Well, last night, one of the most talked about. Well, I thought this was quite an eventful show overall. But the Wrestling Observer just wanted to talk about Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Dave Meltzer had the line, while not much else happened on this show otherwise. We got a tag title change, we got Seth Rollins potentially being injured, we got huge pull apart brawls. Kevin Owens returned. Kevin Owens returned Albeit after a week uh, Drake Maverick Is now an author of pain Chad Gable and Bobby Roode Are
1: a team Well that's it Like, So I got My mentions were kind of split This morning Which I was really surprised by Because I finished watching the show And I I checked Twitter And the people in my mentions Were either saying This was a great show Or it was the worst show of the year In Mm. fact one person went as far as to say You were going to need to create A new lower rating Because it was below uh, Bore Raw yeah, yeah. would they, be uh, the worst. Yeah, they uh, suggested
3: a big pile of shanty. Nice, that mm-hmm. works. Doesn't rhyme with the word raw though, which <laughs> is the the main caveat.
1: But I thought, you know, I I didn't think the show was particularly sort of bad. But I mean, my main takeaway from it is certainly newsworthy. Yeah,
3: newsworthy. No, Luke, this is the internet. It's either the best thing or the worst thing. You're absolutely. It can't right. be in the middle and quite. I mean, it's a three-hour show. There's enough on there. Uh, But, like, there are bad roars Mm -hmm. and they are a struggle to sit through. I didn't think this was a bad roar at all, but the Kevin Owens stuff really got to me. So it kind of balanced out in in the middle for me.
1: I do wonder whether it's because I haven't watched it for two weeks and it's amazing, really. So, like, I was on this, uh, I was on my honeymoon. And I was going. I was doing a sort of trek around Canada um, with like a group of other people, and we had to have the conversation of like, "What do you do for a living?" And that was where I said, "You know, I write and present videos for a YouTube channel." Oh, really? What's that about? And then, as a thirty-two-year-old out to go, "That's pro wrestling," and then yeah. you, you have to have that conversation.
3: Soon, that won't be when all in is on national <laughs> TV. Every
1: going to be the cool thing to like. But one of the interesting things that sort of came up was people like, oh, do you have to watch a lot of wrestling then? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, WWE do a show every week. I was about, they do two shows every week, in fact, and then pay-per-views once a month. They were like, really? I was like, yeah, and the show they do on a Monday is three hours long. And the reaction when people hear, it's three hours long. They're <laughs> like, you don't really register it. When you watch it on a week-to-week basis, mm. you don't really register that three hours is a really long time. It's like two
3: short movies. It's an episode of, well, an episode, it's an edition of Lord of the Rings. Mm. I always, not the extended editions, Obviously though. not, no, unless no. there's an overrun. Well, so far, <laughs> you know, they could, come 2019, 2020. Yeah, when that Fox deal comes in. Yeah, just five-hour smackdowns. Take that, Peter Jackson. Yeah, it is It is quite something. Uh, but, yes, back to the topic of this, yes. the the opening Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was teased last week. We all knew he was going to be here. Undertaker was reported to be in attendance backstage. So, we, you know, kind of got the. You can work it out. He's going to have a match with Triple H. Shawn Michaels is going to be talking about that match. They've got history. So we kind of all knew already you that, that Taker was coming out. But
1: I, I didn't see the reports that Undertaker was in the building. Like, mm. obviously, when I woke up this morning, after I finished watching the show, you kind of look at the news sites and I'm like, oh, yeah, Undertaker was reported to be there. But I, I had no idea. So when the, when the gong went off and his music hit, my first thought was like, it's Triple H. Yes. It's Triple H coming out dressed like The Undertaker. Or a little
3: person dressed like The Undertaker. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I mean, I assumed it would be Triple H, and then everyone would be like, oh, well, it's Triple... But then when the crowd reacted when Undertaker first came out on stage and you had Michael Carr going, oh, my! And I was like, oh, it, it, it's actually The Undertaker. My man! <laughs>
3: it's my man, <laughs> my, my The man Undertaker. Undertaker.
1: My first note was like, wow, The
3: Undertaker's actually here. This is getting more promotion than WrestleMania. Mm. Yeah, yeah, those are uh, paid for shows in other countries. I mean, John uh, Cena was there. John
1: Cena was there week after week, calling out the Undertaker. Prince, come. Shawn Michaels didn't even call him out. He
3: just mentioned his name and he appears. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about respect. So, I mean, that must be quite nice in a way that you, you could, you know, we, we're all quite jaded, cynical wrestling fans. We we like to know what's going to happen before it happens. Uh, so yeah, you didn't know the Undertaker. So that was a nice surprise it was a for genuinely you.
1: Genuinely, really nice
3: surprise. Yeah, I mean, it got a huge pop, Pick and I I've always love seeing the Undertaker. The
1: loudest reactions to this show were yeah. Shawn Michaels, the Undertaker, and Ronda Rousey. Mm. I just thought I thought they were the ones who were getting the best reactions all night because the crowd for a lot of this show were dead. Oh, do you
3: think? I thought Ohio were quite good. Oh no! You I- know what Ohio like? Ohio chance They really got into that part With <laughs> yeah. Alexa Bliss Yeah they
1: were Themselves were also over But mm. like I thought During the main event They were really dead I thought during the The, the women's tag match With um, the Hug and Boss Connection Against Moon and uh, Brooke Where they were completely dead The Bobby Lashley How dare sh- they <laughs> The Bobby Lashley shanty thing All the stuff in the third hour Basically They were completely dead yeah, for Yeah
3: I don't think That's their fault
1: Oh no I'm not saying It was their fault I'm just saying I thought like, Overall I thought The crowd were very much Dead for a lot of this show but they came alive when The Undertaker appeared. And there was like, this felt like a genuine reaction. And I thought this
3: segment overall was awesome. Well, okay. HBK comes out. That was great. Huge pop. As soon as Shawn Michaels starts talking, I, I just, I, I kind of was like, oh, it's going to be one of those promos. And it was really buzzword heavy. It didn't sound naturalistic. And Michaels is. You, tends to be pretty good at making even bad WWE scripts work. And the crowd seemed to, like, get sapped of energy. I thought that part went on too mm-hmm. long. And I was like, oh, geez, where is this
1: Where is this going? Plugging his new T-shirts. Yeah. Saying you have to, you know, plug in the network and then saying, so subscribe to the network and then buy the pay-per-view on the network. Which suggests to me that Shawn Michaels has never watched the WWE network and doesn't know how it works.
3: Yeah, even though he works for NXT, right? <laughs> so that's kind of a network thing. Yeah. Uh, but... Then the Undertaker's big dong hits and it, it this whole segment was transformed into yeah, something really very, was. very good. Just seeing Undertaker and Michael's in the ring, just that visual alone mm-hmm. was was incredible. But then the actual content of the promo so good. and how they worked around their history together I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. I'm sure really Michael's saying it. I stayed retired out of respect for the business, for the fans and for you. Yeah. And it was great, and he was about to walk away, and The Undertaker had that money line where it was
1: like, was it respect or fear? Yes! Because, you know, if you came out of retirement, you would have to face me again. And I thought, that's a brilliant line. It was so, so good. I mean, the, and that's the interesting thing here, is that I didn't really... I, I kind of thought about it at the time, but certainly not to the degree that Meltzer and Alvarez certainly did on Wrestling Observer Radio, which was that they felt that they were teasing another match between Mm. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. I really more felt that this was teasing Michaels' involvement in the match itself rather than a sort of... Because they'll essentially do what they did at WrestleMania 20... 8 Seven, 8 Whichever one Special it w- guest referee Whichever one yeah. the, the hell in a cell was Where it was the three of them there And they did the end of the era You know pose at the end I figured they would essentially Just redo that again So they can do the end of era pose On the ramp
3: Because WWE Don't like doing finality One time no. They do like to do a sequel To the finality But this one's in a different country So it's, it doesn't count And 10 y- 10 years old like almost 10 years after Michaels and Taker had that match. But I like when Michaels was saying, I, I wish he'd developed it more. I know it was subtle, but I thought he could have. I don't think WWE wanted to really address this part, the subtext of the promo, which is essentially, I stayed retired out of respect for you. And didn't you leave your gloves and coat and hat in the ring? Mm-hmm. yep. and now you're back. Yeah, and and it was weird as well because he was making kind
1: of pointing out to all the other people that have quote unquote retired, but then come out, you know, Rick Flair, Mick Foley, Terry Funk, you know, all these sorts of people who are like, "No, I'm done. I'm retired." Yeah, Horrible. I'm done. I'm retired. And he's kind of like sort of made, like, me. I stayed retired, but yeah, he never really mentioned that the Undertaker retired, so to speak, but then. You know, and he broke his character then as well because he went out of the ring to kiss Michelle McCall mm-hmm. and be like, that was it. That's the Undertaker character done and dusted only to return at WrestleMania again this year and at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Um, but I really, there was another line in this I really, I really liked that I just wanted to talk about, which is when Undertaker was talking about how, yeah, you two, you and Triple H have been friends for over 20 years. And in those 20 years, I have beaten you both and I have buried you both. And at
3: Melbourne, Australia, I'm just going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It, the, Taker's delivery and just his presence was so badass. Yeah, it was. I, mean, I felt it, like this was a taker of... You know, a, a many a year ago. Yeah, this was not the
1: Undertaker that was at Raw twenty-five. Remember no. that rambly, weird promo that he cut at Raw twenty-five that no one knew, and to this day, I don't know what was about. <laughs> this was the total opposite of that. This really yeah, did feel yeah. like that Undertaker that was, you know, he was there to promote a WrestleMania caliber match, but it's uh, you know for a network special for a glorified house show.
3: I uh, so so there was a report while you were away. It's from Ticket Drew, who hmm. has become a bit hit and miss, but he said yeah. There's, there is something huge planned for Royal Rumble. And if you are a long-time WWE... He also plan- said that for SummerSlam, though. And he was saying that it was going to be Undertaker... John Cena, yeah. Well, you know, plans change. <laughs> I'm just saying what's been reported out there. And he has broken some stuff. He has but yes, some stuff. he has been very wrong on certain other things. But, like, him saying... That we, there's a big thing for Royal Rumble, and if you the the, the wording of it, if you're a long time fan of WWE, you wouldn't want to miss this because it will never happen again. And I like when he said that. I thought, well, that to me sounds like a like a Shawn Michaels or a Taker thing because Michaels was teased to make a return a few years ago at the Royal Rumble against AJ when he had when AJ had the match against Cena. Uh, although that was just fantasy booking and it sort of ran away with itself. So yeah, I just uh, that's. That's what I've got in my head now. So, I, I, when I saw
1: uh, Ticket had reported that, my mind went to uh, The Rock.
3: Mm-hmm. The Rock being. A sur- oh, yes, that was the other side of things. The, or Batista.
1: Yeah, The Rock being a surprise entrant in the Rumble and winning the Rumble and then facing Reigns at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. That was my uh, line of thinking. I didn't think it was be it. But then again, I didn't think that I'd get a tease for Shawn Michaels Undertaker match on Raw. Uh, this week, yeah, it was really cool. I actually thought some Triple H and Triple H Shawn Michaels had some good lines in there as well. It was like, "Do you realize that I've been offered multi million dollar contracts year after year? They ask me to come back into the ring, and I never do it." And I like that sort of element of realism to it of this guy who was retired by the Undertaker, and he has been offered these contracts, and you know, reportedly every year the company do say, "One more match." You know, there was that room last year, wasn't it? Shawn Michaels, AJ Styles,
3: yeah, at the Rumble. But he always turns it down. And not just the money, but loads of wrestlers that he is now mentoring in NXT saying, please let me have that match with you. I'd love to have the match. Dream matches. That's sure Michael's Adam Cole match we all want to see. That would be amazing. Well, Michaels, Michael's said in the past that he wouldn't. Want to work with someone like that who's similar to him? But like his exact quote, I remember it because it came off a a bit creepy. Was oh the things I could do with Samoa Joe? (laughs) Oh, because we're different styles. Ooh, Sean. Oh, (laughs) Oh, sexy boy. So let's picture this Luke leaves the country uh, two days before SummerSlam. Did indeed. And, you know, you you largely stay away from wrestling. The the day of SummerSlam. And you come back, you watch this episode of Raw, and it opens. Braun Strowman's a heel now, and he's with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre.
1: Right, so I actually have been completely out of the wrestling picture. Like, I've not been attached to the internet. There's only been various times where I've managed to get Wi-Fi. And when I have, I haven't been checking news sites. I haven't been checking anything. I didn't check up You're on straight Ra- on Pornhub. Well, absolutely. If, yeah. you get, if you get that little modicum of internet, where else are you going to go? Yeah, they're just
3: images. Maybe it won't support a whole video. Oh no! But you look at the thumbnails. Yeah, that's you can have you the need. thumbnails scroll through.
1: Exactly. But that's you know, I've not gone into any wrestling news sites or anything like that. The only period of time where I actually had or had some wrestling sort of like recaps or anything like that was because i was going to be hiking up a, a hill and hiking back down a, a hill it was a mountain and this it seems
3: like a metaphor for watching raw <laughs> most it was, weeks
1: it was because it was all uphill as well it was all incline <laughs> um and it was 11 and a half kilometer hike so i thought to myself i'm going to use this little modicum of income of, of internet i have to download some wrestle ramble podcasts and i'll catch up on Raw and SmackDown before I come back. Because it was like on my last day, my wife wasn't doing the hike with me, so I had some podcasts. I had some podcast time to myself. So that was when I listened to, and that was, I had this whole conversation about like, is Becky a heel? Is she a baby face? What was this all about? But the most confusing one, I was like, yeah, Braun's a heel now. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm sure it's just one of those things that WWE just always, you know, he's a tweener now, isn't he? He's sort of a heel, but not really. But it was the bizarrest thing in the world that two weeks later I've come back and Braun and Mackendolf are like this faction now, and I'm like, what? And then Braun cuts this promo where he essentially says, "You people," and he did, he did the and he turned on the fans, and I'm like, oh cool, so he is definitely a heel then.
3: Yeah. So last week, it was that there was an argument that was a justification for him turning on Reigns because Reigns, even though Strowman, rather fairly said, look. I'm going to cash in my money in the bank contract on you. And Roman was like, nah, you can't do that because I've got my shield buddies and we're going to beat the crap out of you. So Braun, the next week when he has to tag with him, decides to just leave Roman high and dry and then beat, get his revenge on Roman. You know, that's... And you're like, okay, you're not going to have a heel face dynamic. You can make it quite interesting and complex. Nope, all of that was scrapped. Braun Strowman is an out-and-out heel. It's again. You you are sacrificing someone who was organically over as a babyface that the crowd wanted to cheer. That you'd done such a good job, making that role perfect for, but you just feed into someone that you you want this other person to get that reaction. It's just like yeah. Charlotte and Becky. Like Charlotte is the Roman Reigns in that situation. Yeah, and, and I would say that I don't think they'd
1: done a perfect job with him because I thought it was the. Be- the heel face dynamic between him and Kevin Owens was really skewed because it was just Braun bullying a person week after week, and then by all accounts squashing him at SummerSlam, choke slamming him onto the uh, the ring or onto, yeah. onto the uh, the walkway.
3: Yeah, on a, in a couple of minutes. And if you're gonna do that, if you know where you're going, make that a double turn. Like maybe make Owens by the end of it because he. I'm I'm quite keen to have him as a face now. I think it's just got to that point, and Braun Strowman could have turned slowly through that feud but no you just it it was really ill thought out yeah so yeah and then he's like
1: oh and i don't give a damn what you fans think and it's the the from what i can gather based on your and el faker review is that that's what becky lynch did in her first promo where she was like yeah you fans let me down and you turned on me which wasn't the case at all and then the second week they kind of dropped that aspect of it and they say that she is now sort of this she is now in this tweener role
3: which is, I think, is what well, according to Road Dog was, but that was what we were doing all along. No, yeah. Uh, so, Braun is now—he's like even smirking like a heel. Oh yeah, t- this is what. Yeah, this is one hundred percent an out-and-out out heel performance. And then at the end of this
1: show, where all the heels were beating down the shield, you're like with Kevin Owens, no less. You're like, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that Braun is anything other mm-hmm. than a heel. And it's funny as well because I was thinking about this on the way here. I'm almost certain in lead-ups to SummerSlam we were talking about oh what if Braun cashes in on Roman at SummerSlam and he wins the belt and then you do Roman going after Braun and you did the big match at WrestleMania that's your new Roman Reigns coronation moment and it's Braun conquering the monster but we said it doesn't really work because that way you'd have to turn Braun heel and if there's one person you don't want to turn heel right now it's probably Braun Strowman
3: Yes, yes. And so, yet here we are. And and you package him with Drew and Dolph, who as as much as I love, I don't I don't really feel like this is a, a not, like it's quite a contrived pairing.
1: Well it's, it was like when the shield came, returned last year.
3: And you were just like uh, um Kane as well. Uh, Braun Strowman <laughs> The Misterrage The Bar as well. What does what people No in way there. you can have three men taking on the shield. That's unfair for the three men. Uh, but speaking of the shield, the shield then come down through the crowd. I've got to admit, I'm marked out here. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got, I got Poppy. I got what, Poppy in my seat. This
1: is what they do, it man. They're mm. trying to get you to like Roman Reigns. Just,
3: it's Dean Ambrose's face. Yeah. He looks vacantly demented. I love it. So cool. Mouth open, vacant eyes. Just he looks violent. Well, this is the first time I've seen um, Dean. Lunatic without a fringe.
1: Lunatic without a fringe, because obviously I saw him return, but then I haven't seen anything since then. And I was like, man, he does look really cool, particularly in the riot gear and everything like that. And the way he walks the ring, sort of like cocking his fist and everything. It's like Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible (laughs) 4. (laughs) Have you seen that now? No, I haven't, but I've seen that gif where he grows a beard. He's good, he grows a stash. Well, no, because he's already got the stash. But like, the, when he does the thing—the arm sort of like pump thing—his mm. beard grows as well. Nice. It's amazing.
3: Uh, so the Shield start to go for the the heels in the ring, but Baron Corbin comes out. He's like, "No, go out there, jobbers!" And all the mid card and under card come down and try and separate Shield from uh, the the. Mac Mac and Dolphman, yeah, <laughs> Mac and Dolphman. Mac and like. Dolphman, yeah. And I I liked this. I thought it was a good pull apart brawl. Yeah, it was I, chaotic.
1: I thought the pull apart brawl was really really cool. Like, and it was one of the few rare occasions that they do a pull apart brawl. Where well, they even put stars out there to break it up because Lashley was out there breaking things up. Usually they put the lower mid card guys out there, so you know your place on the roster. Mm. But it really did feel very chaotic, and I liked that. Dolph had a really weird line, though, when he was talking about the teams that they're more dominant than. Bear in mind, this is meant to be like quite a serious team that we're taking seriously. And he's like, we're more dominant than DX. We're more dominant than the Shield. We're more dominant than the Nation of Domination. And I'm like, mm. hmm. Of all the teams you could have picked, that to me seemed like it was a really like wacky line. He's he's a wacky guy. He's
3: Ziggler. a wacky guy. It's a, it's a classic stand-up
1: joke, I isn't he's it, a from com- He's a stand-up
3: comedian. He's just trying material. But he but he opened with the punchline because he said that one first. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got to try material. <laughs> try play with the conventions of structure. Yeah. Uh, so backstage after the break, this this whole brawl is still going on, but now it's with the shield and. I didn 't quite understand what was happening because they it was just white shirted police officers, yeah, not uh like what I would not bobbies with the, the little <laughs> British top
1: hats on. No, I mean, I don't know what Ohio police look like. I'm assuming no. they look like this. But,
3: um, yeah, police were putting them into the back of a van and they were were arresting them. It looked like accountants. (laughs) It looked like the accounting department was tasked with doing something that the wrestlers couldn't do. Control the shield. And, yeah, they handcuffed them, put them in the back of a police van, Mm -hmm. drive them off. And I, uh, you know, as soon as they drove off in that van, I was like... They're coming back in the back. <laughs> so they, yeah. when that happened later on, I was not like this is ridiculous. No. I'm like this is fun. Exactly, that's what we were all expecting.
1: Also, Renee was on commentary again. Oh yes, I yeah. only noticed that two segments in. <laughs> they literally had a shot of her being introduced. I glaze over when I see oh, the commentary. Oh this it's so funny.
3: Like I, I can understand not realizing that it was. Todd Phillips or Michael Cole? When Michael Cole filled him for—I didn't know that until after the review happened. Until I told you, yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah, Michael Cole did the show." But you know, Renee Young is is drastically different <laughs> coachman from Coachman. Yeah, uh, so Coachman was playing golf, Yeah, well, yeah he's reporting on golf, yes. I believe. Yeah. Next up, okay. So So, this is another thing that's happened since you've gone gone away. Yeah, the Bellas are back. The Bellas never left SummerSlam, so they turned up at at SummerSlam. Okay, okay, all right, okay. And they kind of, they they were just. In a few segments They were ringside For Ronda Rouse's match Why? And awkward (laughs) They never (laughs) explained it And awkwardly got in the ring And celebrated With Ronda and Natalia Because women are always They're either friends Or they're enemies Or training partners Or training partners uh, And yeah They just just haven't left And Brie Bella Is currently The only Interbrand star Because she's also On Smackdown Yes because she's got a match At Hell in a Cell Teaming with Daniel Bryan And based on this performance I'm not looking forward to her in-ring work Look, so I have been saying I don't know when it became an unpopular opinion To not like the Bella Twins (laughs) Is this like the Alicia Fox thing? Again, yeah, it's like (laughs) I feel like a lot of people have been brainwashed that Alicia Fox and the Bella Twins are acceptable wrestlers. You're like, no, no, were you not there? Were you not there from 2008 to, like, 2013? What they just did, they just ran under the ring and pretended it was the worst two-minute matches. And that's not like, you know, you could say that's WWE management's fault for not giving the women the time. It's also the Bella's fault for being awful. Okay, so I'm going to... Perhaps I'm going to
1: try and explain how I think this might have come about, okay. because it's very much a generational thing. This is like there is a generation of Star Wars fans that, that just flat out believe the prequels are as good as the originals, because that's the one they were kids when like, they were kids when those films came out. Like I had someone defend to me to their dying breath. I mean no, they are still, well, still alive but like they would like it was the hill they were going to die on that attack of the clones is an, is a great film mm. and I'm like but it's categorically not like it is an, it is <laughs> it is factually not a good film i know that another t- t- 10 year old nephew debates <laughs> they're the worst aren't <laughs> they but that but it's fine that was the film there's films that i watched when i was a kid that i will be like no that's a great film even though factually not a great mm. film so i wonder if it's just that that they, they were kids when they saw alicia fox and
3: the bellas so now that they're slightly older, they're like, oh, no, they were good, weren't they? No, I think it's because they, the Bellas have reached sort of a kind of legendary status. Oh, well,
1: well that's what somehow. WWE will have you believe. Like, their they, they, in ring introduction was like, the first time in three years they've wrestled as a team on Raw. It's the Bella Twins. And it was meant to be like this big... Finally. Oh, it's like the Shield reuniting. It's the Bella Twins on it's like Michael's Triple a, uh, Michael's Undertaker in the ring at the same
3: time. So I'm I'm going to venture into sort of dodgy territory here. Uh-oh. And I just want to pose a question. Would the Bellas be so beloved by the fans? Well, not beloved, but you know, like get these kind of legendary reactions. If one of them hadn't married married, very fan-favorite Daniel Bryan, and the other one, you know, was in a long-term relationship with John Cena, and they got that WrestleMania moment. So you, you have that build where it's like, this is a legendary thing happening. I would say yes, because even before that, the company were always really behind
1: the Bella Twins, and always sort of pushed them as this big thing. Like, when they first joined the company, I didn't get it. I really didn't get it because I just thought they were, they were all- Twins, (laughs) Basil. No, twins. Like, but that was all I could really see was just Vince McMahon backstage go, twins, and being really excited by Mm. the whole thing. Because I thought, there's now special about these two. And they, they left and they came back. And my first thought was like, why'd you bring them back? Yeah. And then they just, I think that they were, the company just loved them. And here is my reasoning why they loved them. Is because they appeal to the casual market. The casual market, because they've got their reality TV show. Par exemple, I used to work for a company and one of my managers there had no interest in wrestling. She just could not give one iota about wrestling, but she loved Total Divas.
3: Mm. As
1: a, and in particular, she loved Brie Bella. She thought she was the best thing on the show. She loved Brie Mode as a phrase. So much so that when I went to a wrestling show, she asked me and my friend to buy her a Brie Mode t-shirt so that she could wear it. She has never watched <laughs> wrestling in her life, but she loves Brie Bella. So okay. I think that the company kind of see these two as like, they're stars outside of the company And we can put them on here As reality TV show stars And that's why we
3: like them Okay well wh- wh- whatever, it, whatever Whatever happened Brie Bella did botch two <laughs> dives quite horribly. It was so funny because when she... I
1: mean, it's not funny, but when she botched the first one, I think Sarah Logan, she was a bit late on it as well. Kind of meant to, yeah, do yeah, a forearm into it, yeah. It wasn't 100% Brie's fault, but Brie was never diving through those ropes. She was so unsure of her footing. And as she botched and I was like, oh, that's a bit of a shame because it looked a bit silly and it was a bit rubbish. But then when she set up to do the second dive, I was like... Well, thankfully, she could do the second dive because the first one looked really, really, really rubbish, and then the second one was probably worse. And I was mm. like, "Oh, poor Brie Bella," because it yeah. was it was bad.
3: Yeah. So I, I and I think and I think
1: Logan and Wright were possibly out of position on the second dive as well. But again, Brie was never going to make it mm. because she was the way that Ember Moon does those dives, where she just throws <laughs> yeah. herself She's out the committed. ring. She is committed. Brie Bella was not committed to these dives.
3: No, I didn't uh I didn't like this match. Not just from the like the result of beating the riot squad, because you know, that's it's the Bellas coming back, or because the Bellas were involved, I just thought it was a sloppy match. I did like the yes kicks though. I thought that was a nice yeah. spot.
1: Um bit of commentary from Michael Cole, and granted I've been away for two weeks, so maybe things have changed. But he said the riot squad have been, quote, beating up people and winning. No, that's a lie. Okay. Just check I have just checking nothing's changed in the last
3: two weeks. Next up we got Finn Balor. Uh Ask him for yet another match against Baron Corbin after Corbin, like sort of pulled a no DQ trick last week and beat him up after that, and uh, yeah, Baron said okay, I'll see what I can do. And Finn is just standing there like a goofball, smiling. So he well, went serious for a bit, but he was he just looked so stupid smiling. Uh, where is Kurt? Oh, so Kurt's been fired. Yeah, I. I well, on, on indefinite vacation right. courtesy of Stephanie McMahon. Okay. Yeah. So was returning for Survivor Series, we think? Well, yeah, like for some form of match is the rumour. But I, it struck me this week about how little he has missed. <laughs> and I, you will find no bigger Kurt Angle fan than I. Mm,
1: absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I, and I know that for a fact, because you and know, I have spoken about he's your favourite wrestler of all time. Mm. Also, the Bella Twins will be teaming with Ronda Rousey um, to take on Riot Squad at Super Showdown. Really?
3: That was the match they announced after the, uh, okay. the Bella Twins, yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Uh, but... First positive of the show. Well, I like the opening segment. We, we we did get we fell down a bit of a Bella hole there. <laughs> Maybe that's what Brie fell into when she jumped Bree through the roof. <laughs> Brie <laughs> hole, And uh, it was J- Chad Gable is all a su- all of a sudden a tag team with Bobby Roode. I know did like this was such a weird backstage thing. They were like, oh, we're a new team now. This is as, as new to me as it is to you. <laughs> okay. This just happened. And it was, it was just so endearingly goofy with Bobby Roode doing his glorious entrance. and Then Chad Gable seems to pop up from beneath him and do the pose as well. Well, yeah, it almost felt like, and I think they were
1: talking about some commentary, it almost feels like the story they're telling at the moment is that Gable can't get into the spotlight. Mm. So the, Bobby Roode is a bigger star than he, and he's always, and that was told throughout the match as well, like he blind tagged himself in, because I'll be honest with you, if, if the story you're telling is that Rude is the biggest star and Gable is trying to get the spotlight, I wouldn't have booked the match that Gable runs wild, Rude tags in, gets beaten up, Gable tags himself back in and wins the match for them. Because Rude didn't in this match. Uh, but Chad did
3: everything. Chad th- was awesome in this match. Do you remember there was a period, I think it was last year, where Cesaro was just on this tear of hot tags mm-hmm. where the entire of Raw would just be building up to a Cesaro hot tag. And he'd take out like seven people in one fluid run in and out of the ring. That's what Gable did here. Runs over to the corner, hops over onto the apron, rolling sent on to take out one guy, back up to the turnbuckle, dropkick on the other. Uh, chaos Theory for the win. I, this was
1: so, so good. And I, I mean, My notes are essentially like, why isn't Gable a bigger star? I was like, in any other promotion, he'd be pushed as a top guy. Because he's a short guy. He's a a little short guy. Yeah, and it was weird as well. I said, okay, can we quickly talk about Connor's promo beforehand, though? Yeah, okay. So Connor says that Bobby Roode couldn't make it uh, in the singles division, so he's now had to move into the tag team division. And then he calls Gable a sword off duck butt. Mm. That screams to me, that's a backstage joke. Yeah That they thought That they would put And like But the audience Just didn't react to it door, And then the commentators went No idea what that was about Duck butt A sword off duck butt Yeah
3: Like a sword off shotgun Is
1: there a WWE.com series That we've
3: missed Probably with Mike Rome <laughs> Doing something <laughs> yeah. uh, So this is You know This is promising I like that they're focusing On the tag division That was kind of One of the underlying stories Of this show And they're, they're making This new act and hopefully Chad and Bobby could become this pretty good team together and it, you know, sort of built it perfectly for an eventual rude heel turn on Chad.
1: Or Chad heel turn on him, possibly. It could no. go either way. But what I really liked about this is that rude had the biggest smile on his face yeah, after yeah. he won. Because, but it, the way that he was smiling wasn't like, hey, we won. It was like, I found my lottery ticket. Mm. I, found, I found a winning lottery ticket in Chad Gable. This could be my this could be my path to success, which
3: which would neatly fuel a heel character. Yeah, I'm just going to use you. You do all the work, and Chad's like the prep. And I'm, I've got I just want to help out. But
1: it's my entrance. We come mm. out to my music. You're not allowed in my spotlights.
3: Yeah, yeah well, I, I really like that. hope that's the direction they go in. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So this was this was very very good. Uh, Elias next. This is something again that's been happening since you've been away. Elias will come out, do his song shtick, and then. Women will come out, and it will turn into an Italia match. <laughs> Amazing. It happened with Tr- Trish Stratus last week. Yeah? Yeah. I did. Bel- and it actually, turned into an Italia match. I'll
1: be honest with you. When the Riot Squad were in the ring, my, I was like, it's going to be Bailey and Banks, isn't it? Mm. Nothing's changed. No, that's changed. That's changed.
3: That's changed. <laughs> Not that they're on. doing anything. <laughs> They've just moved on. It's, they're, they're focusing on that next star of the women's division, Dana Brooke, instead. <laughs> we'll come on to that. But yeah, so... He was singing a
1: song, but uh, I did like it when he was like, you know, I, I don't uh, advocate women hitting men. And uh, then I was like, and Trish embarrassed herself last week, which I thought was a really funny line.
3: And then cut a promo on Christopher Columbus and your local sports team. Yes. Yeah, it was it was good. And hometown gal, Alexa Bliss, comes out and she's in a, sort of...
1: In a Ohio T-shirt. She's yeah. got a
3: specific T-shirt for her hometown. She was doing... I would say the shtick that Bliss does better than anyone else on the roster. Yeah, I don't like like Carmella does it kind of annoyingly, but Bliss is very good at it. So good at it, which is I'm 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 going to cut a babyface promo for once, just just this little moment. Not. I'm still a heel. Columbus sucks. Yeah. can not wait to get out of this place. I
1: wonder why that's why I could never get on with Carmella as champion, because Bliss was just doing it so much better. Yeah, yeah could be. Possibly.
3: Yeah, um, and then character makes no sense. So Bliss kind of starts to flirt with Elias, saying that she yeah. wants to walk with Elias. Mike Rome, poor guy. And, uh, Is that another and WWE.com thing? I don't it's guess. another WWE.com okay. thing. And then Rhonda comes out with Natalia. And yeah, then it turns into Bliss versus Natalia. They have an okay match, I thought. I
1: really like the finish
3: with yeah, yeah. Uh, Bliss hitting her DDT, not going for the pinfall, and instead locking in an armbar. Looking right at Ronda Rousey at ringside, of yeah. course, building up that rematch. And there was uh, like <laughs> there was a spot where Bliss just did a punch, and it like floored Natalia. Yeah, well, I was like that. But um, Corey called Alexa quote a
1: sports person. Mm. And then everyone sort of made fun of Corey for calling her a sports person, and I thought, even when Coachman's not there, his presence is felt. Yeah, it's a yeah. You can't say sportswoman; it's a sports person. <laughs> but it's think, a gender neutral. But team. I don't think he, a sports person's not a thing, and that's why everyone was making well, fun of him, making a thing <laughs> because he was like, she's a brilliant sports person.
3: <laughs> uh, so yeah, but this turns into Rhonda coming in to help Natalia stuff happens, and then yeah. Ronda destroys Alicia Fox.
1: Well, okay, so Bliss attacked Ronda. I mean, my notes read here, Bliss attacks Ronda, she fights back, Fox gets in, Ronda fights back, Alexa, ta- Alexa attacks again, Ronda fights back and stands tall. And I think you and Laurie might have, because bear in mind when I was listening to your, the podcasts, obviously you were very entertaining on both of on all the four of them that I listened to. Mm. But I was also walking up a hill and trying to focus on not dying. Sure. So a lot of my, you know, not my attention was on everything. Um, but you're talking about how like, Ronda being built as the star of the division is kind of hurting the rest of, of the raw women's landscape. Yes. And that kind of like really felt this here. And this is why I really didn't think that Ronda should have won the belt at SummerSlam, because I thought there's more money and more interest in her in the chase than there is as her as champion. Because at the moment, now it just appears to be, particularly on, on this final segment, she is champion and no one is as good as her.
3: Totally. That's totally what it is. Mm. And also it means that we have to do... A dance routine Yeah Which is frustrating If
1: only we'd said That Charlotte would win Which um, Oh that I mean, would have
3: It wouldn't have helped It would have tied us would have tied I guess uh, So Yep uh, Fox kind of sells the, the arm thing Really quite stupidly <laughs> what, You what, can't what, say negative things About uh, Alicia Fox She is a stalwart. She is a yeah. figure post Of this division So she's kind of like Backing up the ramp In tears Vibrating it seems But yeah Whatever then we get Baron Corbin backstage with McDolphman and McDolph want a tag title match, and Corbin says, well, you know, the Revival are already going to take on the B team, so, I mean, unless they were unable to compete.
1: Yeah, it felt like this was out of order, because they were like, oh, we heard the Revival were injured. Corbin's like, "No, I've heard that they're fine. I was like, well, if anything happened to them, what yeah. would happen then? It was okay. It was okay. Actually, I do you want? I'll, I'll tell you, I really like this. I thought Mac essentially going like, what if something was to happen to the mm. revival? And Corbin, being the heel authority figure, was like, well, I mean, if, if that were to happen, then things would probably change. But, I mean, I'm
3: not saying they could happen. I'm just saying if it was to happen. that like, Corbin is actually quite a good heel authority figure. Yeah. He's really kind of making Raw quite corrupt in a logical way. Yeah. Like, I like the storytelling here. I've, I was a big fan mm. of this. Yeah, way prefer it to Kurt. Or Kurt and Baron. This is this is much better. Or Stephanie. And <clears throat> um, so the revival are in having an interview next with Charlie Caruso backstage ahead of their title match. But Mac and Dolph come in from nowhere and start destroying them. Throw them into production boxes. And yeah, for the B team are in the ring. So McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler come out. Yeah, and it was a really good looking beatdown as well. Mm. Um, it didn't get a lot of heat, but I thought it was a really
1: awesome beatdown.
3: Yeah, the, the 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 ensuing match. Was fine. I liked how they gave B team some plucky comeback stuff, and they teased the roll-up wins. But in the end, yeah, uh, Macandol killed Curtis Axel.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest with you. If that was the finish they were going to do, why didn't they just do it as like a? Because like they at the start of the show they said it was like we're the most dominant team. You know, we're going to be the more dominant mm. than DX, more dominant than the Shield. And then they were really beaten up for a long time by the B team of all people. I just thought that if you're going to do this as, like, we're a really dominant force, particularly with what you had at the end, just have them win really quickly. Yeah, like a squash and thing. Just, yeah, just squ- they're comedy geeks. Just squash them. Mm. Like, I, so that's my only criticism of this. Positive, though, they're not champions anymore. Now Mack and Dolph are the champions. And also, that it elevates the revival off the back yes. of that as well. Because now the revival would seemingly go into a program with Mack because they screwed them out of their tag team title shot, which, by all accounts, they should have won because they've been beating them week in, week out on Raw since SummerSlam, if, I rem- if I'm yep, no yep, correct. Yep, that is correct. So that now puts... like, And these guys are being positioned with the shield and all these top guys, so now the Revival are in that position as well. So I think that's
3: a, that's a good thing. And you've got Gable and uh, Rude and, and the Authors of Pain who will come on to. I, I didn't mind... The B team getting a, a fight back. I kind of, I quite enjoyed it, even though I'm, I, I'm not keen on the B team. I hate their entrance music. Rah, rah, I hate rah. that we've gone into this place with the tag division. But I did appreciate them trying to keep their belts and staving off these bullies. Mm-hmm. I always get into a, a sort of overcoming the bullies storyline. But yes, next up, sort of continuing with this revamp of the tag division, a soft reboot. The authors of Pain <laughs> come out with their new member. Drake Maverick. Well, he's not a member. He's a
1: manager. Because clearly, the office had decided, it's not what these authors of pain lads are missing. They're missing a manager. If only they didn't come pre-packaged with one when they were called up. Like, that was my only thought I had of this. Was like, I mean, you had a manager already there, right? Yeah. Why didn't you just have Paul Lettering with them?
3: Yeah, but it's, now it's, it's, it's completely ridiculous.
1: It's Drake Maverick. But it's not Drake. It's not Babyface. Two hundred five live general manager Drake Maverick. This is heel Drake Maverick, dressed up like an author of pain.
3: I. Why isn't he in his wacky suits? I have no idea what they were going for here. And I like. I am interested, and I hope this is. I think this has potential. So I'm not writing it off completely. But as a first outing. What were they thinking? If they're thinking, oh, Drake Maverick dresses a little bit wacky, we don't want to have that look with the Authors of Pain who are serious and dominating monsters, this is worse. <laughs> Having him dressed up like a mini-me version of Ackerman Razor makes him look stupid. Yeah. Do you remember when Kurt Angle came out dressed like The Shield and everyone was like, "God, oh, that's a bit goofy, isn't it? Yes. You, you look well that's ridiculous. exactly mate. what it looked like. And... They, You say that this wasn't 205 Live General Manager Drake Maverick. Tell Drake Maverick that because his whole promo was, I am 205 Live General Manager Drake Maverick and I am now also the manager of the Authors of Pain who are like the opposite of 205 Live. My favourite thing about this
1: was that, like, so it cuts backstage and... Authors of Pain are walking with Drake Maverick in between them, and the commentators are going, "What's Drake Maverick doing with the Authors of Pain?" And then Drake Maverick grabs the microphone when they're in the ring, and they're like, "Oh, great, we're going to get a reason for this." And Drake went, "I'm now the manager of the Authors of Pain," and we're like, "Okay, I guess that's the reason." Then yeah. you're just—you there was no reason. He's just the manager now.
3: That's the problem. It's and like Authors of Pain and Drake Maverick are are so good. I reckon they can make this work. 100%. But I, I just wish we wouldn't have been... We, we would have been given a little bit more. A, a reason, for yeah, example. Yeah, a reason. Like, just have something of... Like, Drake approaches them backstage as they're beating up some 205 Live guys. I don't know. Anything. Not, yeah. Anything would have
1: been better than nothing here. Drake with Bobby and Gable would have made more sense.
3: Yes, totally.
1: But, like, it was really weird. I wish he wasn't dressed like with the Authors of Pain. But on the plus side, and I am taking this as a massive, massive positive, aside from Authors of Pain being taken seriously and getting a bit of a push, uh, I'm also... uh, I know I've been away for two weeks. I'm also glad there wasn't any NXT call-ups following SummerSlam because let's focus on the ones you've not actually done anything with yet. So, plus (laughs) side... Glad the authors pain of Pain are finally getting something, but B, they're not facing titles worldwide anymore.
3: Mm, so yes.
1: that's for me, thumbs
3: up all around. Squashing jobbers instead. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully next week they would have figured out what they're doing here and it doesn't look as stupid. Then we got ronda and the Bellas backstage where, you know, ronda is chatting to Natalia because they're best friends. And then the Bellas come in and are like, hey, if you need any help with anything, training, how to run your own business. How to write a book. Just let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And Ronda's like, oh, thanks, girls. That's so sweet. <laughs> and the Bellas walk off. And, oh, my God. It's so, so lovely backstage with the baby faces of the women's division. Well, Nikki's turning heel, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that seems to be the way the big rumored match is Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella at Evolution because mm-hmm. mainstream. The Bella Twins are stars um yeah, Nanny also had a line here which said she doesn't feel herself
1: at the moment. Mm. And she sort of just walked off. Did she lose last week?
3: Uh, I can't <laughs> I think she no, she won, didn't she? Off of the back of her father's death. Oh yeah? It was kind of uh yeah, it was a nice moment in Canada as well.
1: Oh well that is quite a nice moment. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh so I do not I d I don't I don't care about any of the women's division really. Mm. It's not it's not engaging at all and it's actually quite quite insulting it was it was interesting the as part of all the star cast stuff over the weekend the wrestling observer did a live Q and A session mm. and one of the people who got up was a lady person who has gotten into wrestling as an adult which is quite a curious thing and she's like "I, you know i like wrestling i like indie wrestling i want to find female wrestling though that isn't written by men because I feel like all the WWE stuff is is just, like, who's friends with who, and it feels really just kind of, mis- like, underlying misogynistic in a way. And yep. that's, that's what we... It's nice to hear that, because that's what we've been saying for months now. Yep. And Meltzer just said, stardom. <laughs> Go and watch <laughs> stardom. stardom in Japan, yeah. because that's, you know, kind of written by women. It's It's like... She, she raised a really good point. The women's division is kind of, like, what... Uh, uh, a juvenile, teenage boy would would think a, a wi- like what yeah. m- women and men would want to see from a women's absolutely yeah like feud and storyline
1: yeah exactly well it, it's like um, films that are sort of about female characters or female friendships that are written by men they don't feel like I mean they don't feel like actual real life women relationships mm. and I think that is really is an underlying problem within WWE is that every single person on the writing staff has a penis. Every person who yeah. is sort of in, you know, control of sort of like production
3: and everything, probably
1: has a penis as
3: well. And Randy Orton is going around shaking hands. Yes, so it's not it- the most conducive environment for anyone other than someone with a penis.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think that I mean, female writers are so needed. Mm. Uh, and I know, and it's not to say that. I mean, we've talked about this on uh, old movie podcasts that you shouldn't just hire women so they can write women segments. You should have them just so you can. Like, bounce off ideas. Women can also write men's segments. Yes. But also, men can write a women's segment, but have some input from a female writer. Be like, well, actually, from a female perspective, I would do it this way.
3: Yeah, just, like, just get ideas from all genders. Yeah. There's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that at Absolutely all. Absolutely not. Uh, so, yeah, that is... It, it's 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 a it's a real problem in yeah, WWE. Yeah, it really is. Uh, then we had the Shawn Michaels stuff. Then... <laughs> Finn Balor comes in, and Baron Corbin says... I can't do the main event tonight, so you're going to face Braun Strowman. And I'm like, okay, that's that's much better. I'd had no interest in seeing Corbin and Balor again. That's the main event, no less. Yeah, and then they flashed up a, an, a a match graphic that said up later Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. I was like, what? <laughs> Did I just dream that segment? We are getting Corbin Balor as the main event. Thankfully, it was. It seems like it was just a production problem. Oh, but, okay, but yeah, that was a. Uh, that was momentarily scary. Uh, then we got Bailey and Sasha Banks beating Dana Brooke and Ember Moon. They've started doing this storyline where Evolution is approaching Titus as the kind of manager figure he is of Titus Worldwide. Or what a awful job he's done though. It's he, he wants to get Dana Brooke prepared and get a match at Evolution. Mm-hmm. So that is now the second female storyline on the show because you can't have more than one. No. And it's kind of like. It's also just a storyline that's only Dana Brooke. So there's no real there's no real counterpart to this feud. Sasha Banks and Bailey are just there. Ember Moon is just there. Yeah, why was Ember Moon tagging with Dana Brooke? Because everyone else is now either a friend of Ronda or <laughs> Alexa and they're in that bit over there. Oh I see. And Ru- the the Riot squad are gonna face the Bellas for the next five weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Nia Jax is nowhere to be seen. Yeah,
1: that's a good question because we haven't seen her since Money in the Bank, have we? Not. Yeah, was, or, or was the pay per view She was rehabbing afterwards? an injury. Was the pay per view afterwards? Extreme rules. Extreme rules. Yeah, 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 a, yeah. The
3: rematch.
1: I was really confused at the start of this as well because Sasha's music hits, and Michael Cole says it's Boss Time, but then the match card gra- the graphic just says Bailey, mm. and I was like, so I had written down Sasha Banks, and I was like, oh no, that's wrong. It's Bailey versus Dana Brooke. Like a singles match, yeah. And then Ember Moon came out, I was like. Is it a triple threat? And then it was a tag match,
3: and I was like, wait what? It was really weird because not only did it, it was just that name bar graphic, when Bailey walked out, it was like she was in mid conversation with <laughs> Sasha Banks. She was just talking to him normally. Yeah. It was really weird and off putting, considering all the usual sexy Sasha side hip thing and Bailey wacky waving flaming inflatable arm tube men stuff. But yeah, this uh this was a fine match. I I enjoy Brooke wrestling. I I think she's quite fun when she does all her flips and stuff.
1: Although they did manage to botch a tag.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Moon kind of tagged, rolled out, had to roll back in and tag in. Yeah. Uh, but the thing was that it was a short match. Titus Worldwide is screaming at Vice. This distracts Dana. That's the reason she loses, not because she's not on Banks and Bailey's level. Yeah. And Brooke storms off. I felt really bad for Ember Moon in this match. Poor old Ember Moon Never had an actual storyline on Raw Nope She was called up in April Well I mean well,
1: speaking of that We'll come on to this with Lashley I suppose But also the commentators um, just couldn't stop talking about Triple H And um, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker Well this doesn't
3: matter Well that's so, it yeah, yeah,
1: that, yeah that's pretty much what that said to me It was like none of this really matters What you should focus on It's the fact that HBK and Taker are in the ring And what a privilege it is for Renee To be able to witness that moment on a commentary desk oh. You lucky thing So on to that Bobby Lashley thing I was going to Sort of spin off From that on So Lashley has been Back with his company Since April
3: Yes They still have no idea What they're doing with him Like They've tried a few things Haven't they But it's like Why are you trying things When you've got a Clear blueprint Of what works Yeah but that worked in a, that won't work in this company. Yeah, it's like that's when, not our
1: idea. It's like when Goldberg first came in, like in two thousand four, and they were like, "Yeah, but WCW went out of business." So clearly,
3: that never worked. So clearly, the answer is to make him wrestle ten, fifteen minute matches week and, in, week out, and put him in a gold wig. Um. So yes, Bobby Lashley has had this kind of character revamp since SummerSlam. Oh, what he? Where really- he is joshing with Baron Corbin or Baron Corbin? It's like a, a passive aggressive thing where uh Lashley will be very sarcastic to Corbin and do things that he says but then like kick ass okay and it's like it's a terrible waste of Lashley in my opinion i've seen that some people are getting a kick out of it i'm not and this segment opens with Lashley just standing outside of Corbin's office with a sheet of paper. And Charlie Caruso's like, what's that piece of paper there? My man. And Bobby Lashley says, oh, my man. It's, all, it's my performance review that my man Baron Corbin just gave me. It says I've got anger issues and I've got to go and do a live meditation with Jinder Mahal in the middle of the ring. Just like... Just the worst parts of pro wrestling.
1: Um, I, the bit that made me laugh the most was not just Lashley saying my man all the time, and which just makes me think of Aquaman in Justice League. We're like, my man! My man! And I'm like, oh, this is the Aquaman you've chosen to go with. That's brave. Mm. Um, the bit that made me laugh the most is when he called Jinder Mahal, Jinder Hall. Jinder
3: Hall. He <laughs> just went with my man Jinder Hall. Maybe you thought that was the directions to the <laughs> lobby area. Oh yes, in Jinder Hall. Just get on Jinder Hall. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so then, then this actually happened. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I, I uh, kind of, I just uh, like two, week, he, two weeks off I've had of this show. I'm into. The, I'm deep into the third hour here, and this is what I'm presented with. I just, I just welcome back. Even when they said meditation session with Jinder Mahal, when they've done this. The similar bits recently it's been backstage and uh, yeah like so, like this went through a lot of people <laughs> and to to have a, a meditation session with all three men Jinder Sunil Sin- and Bobby sitting cross-legged on a rug in the middle of the ring it died a death it was goofy Bobby Lashley kept on saying my man but also you missed the key
1: comedy moment though which is when Jinder says Repeat after me, uh. and Bobby went. Repeat after me, and he was like, "No, not that bit." And Bobby says, "No, not that bit," because he was repeating him, you see. And hilarity ensued. I mean, my note is that the crowd are so effing dead, and and he just kept saying, "My man." It's because it
3: killed them. <laughs> it really, did. WWE committed mass homicide here. This they killed was, a crowd with this segment. This was so embarrassing. So this was bad, and you know, like like that. That's what WWE do. Lashley's not doing anything at the moment. Jinder Mahal has just been is one of the biggest rises and falls of someone who was not really like a pet project kind of character in in recent memory. I think like thinking of where he was last year. But fine, fine, okay. Of course, we've got a freaking meditation segment (laughs) with Bobby Lashley weirdly saying my man every couple of minutes. Is this
1: worse than the sisters?
3: No. Right? It's so yeah, the, the, yeah, like the smiling into the camera, I love you. Because at least like Lashley is behaving like this is a joke and everything. Yeah, he was making fun of it. Yeah. So but it's still spectacularly spectacularly lame. Oh yes, but, this is lame. But what kind of annoyed me more, just from like failed potential, because this had this never had any potential. This was this is this was just an already stupid idea waste. Kevin Owens makes his return after quitting Raw last week, after that fantastic match with Seth Rollins, and it was genuinely the most intriguing narrative thing that was going on in WWE. Really. Like, oh, what's going to happen with Owens? Is he going to return as a babyface? Is he going to come back with Paul Heyman? No, he's going to return seven days later and just attack Bobby Lashley. It's kind of like WWE, like, oh, Sami Zayn's out injured now. He was feuding with Bobby Lashley, so let's just have Owens in there the month after. I hated this. I hated it. And Owens did the big pop-up powerbomb to Lashley on the apron. I, d- I just... I. And Owens' performance was good, but you need to keep him out longer. He shouldn't be making his return any earlier than Helena in a Cell, and that's only two weeks away. It's not like it's a long time to hold off. I prefer you keep him out longer. Oh, I hated this. I hated this so bad. Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously, I wasn't around for Owens quitting. So, like, him just coming back seven days later. You should what- watch that
3: match. The yeah, I've heard it was really, really good. good.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I, so, him coming back a week after hasn't, like, been like, oh, what's the point of all this? Like, as much as it probably should have done. But it did make me think, like, if you were doing the storyline of him quitting, like, why did he walk to the back? Like, why don't you just sort of walk out the arena? And then you still could have done this thing. Like, he's not, he doesn't work here anymore, but he's attacking people at ringside. And maybe if you'd have gone in that direction, I could have been on board with that as a much more as an interesting. But then he just came out after the, uh, during the main events anyway. So I'm like, no, I guess he's just back then.
2: yeah So
1: it, for me, I'm not as angry as you
3: are, although I think you were quite right
1: in your anger. To me, it was
3: just a, cool, I guess. Yeah. I, it's just I love Owen so much. So, like, he really is one of my favourites. And it's just all these false starts. I think they're going to do something with him. They put the freaking Universal Championship on the guy, and it was, a, it was a waste of a run, let's be honest. Uh, I, so, like, what else can you expect? Man. The main event was Finn Balor versus Braun Strowman. Uh, Corey Graves gets an update on his phone just before this match begins. The Shield had been released from prison. Oh, I mean, hopefully the police can give them a ride back. Well, why didn't they say broken out? <laughs> like, if you're going to do this stupid storyline, <laughs> can't they just break out of prison? <laughs> oh
1: my God, that would have been so have been rad. much better. That would have been rad. Like, uh, <laughs> like, we just had a report. The whole walls come down. Yeah. Like, There's just, just shield shaped holes. Yes. they just
3: ran at them. Uh, so that's the the thing in the background. So, of course, they're going to come back at yeah. some point. Um, it was really cool seeing Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler At ringside with the championship belts Even though the pairing with Braun Strowman is a bit mismatched
1: It's just randomly thrown together because we need a six-man tag For
3: um, yeah.
1: for a Super Showdown or whatever it is mm.
3: And uh, Bala and Strowman, I think they've got very good chemistry actually Bala knows how to work with a character like Braun
1: And I also really liked the, the commentators were putting this over That two weeks ago uh, Bro- no, I'm trying to remember his name Balor took Roman Reigns to the Limit and he nearly won the Universal Championship Off of him but here Strowman just beat him easily and they were like "And what's Str- like, So Strowman's facing Roman two weeks in the Hell in a Cell Like, What's Roman going to do? I think that was actually a uh, nice way to sort of tell
3: the story Of this match. Yeah yeah um, I mean when you step out though you, th- and, and look at The wider scheme of things you're like Oh so that means Finn Balor Was fed to Braun Strowman to feed to Roman Reigns <laughs> so it's all one big feeding of the big dog. Well, haven't I mean,
1: you, I mean, I mean, you come up with this thing that he's a black hole and things just sort of fall into it now?
3: Yes, like yeah. a brie hole.
2: <laughs> a brie, brie hole. hole.
3: <laughs> it's it's the event horizon where light can no longer <laughs> yeah. escape a black hole. Uh, so oh, that Paul W S Anderson movie with Sam Neill. Yes, yeah. It's uh, you know you, you know there's that really good bit in Event Horizon where they they get a, a video feed. That's a sentence that's never been said, by the way. It's a great <laughs> I'm movie. With oh you. my god! I'm messing with you. There's a there's a really horrifying bit in it. It's one of those things that stays with you forever for me at least. And it's a the naked lady bit. It's no no. It's it's they they find this video or like a vid, a recording on the spaceship, and it essentially shows a clip of hell Mm. in this other dimension that the previous ship had gone to. And there's just all this weird stuff going on in it, people. Like, a guy vomits arms. And it's just such a, like, horribly demonic imagery. Uh, I think you could have switched that out for the Bobby Lashley meditation (laughs) segment, and it still would be equally horrific. (laughs) So Balor and Strowman have a good match. I I, I did enjoy it. And Strowman wins with a power slam. Quite significantly, one power slam. Because I really like that match back in May when Strowman was a face and Balor, like, gave him good competition. So almost to honour Balor, Strowman put him away with two power slams. Mm. But this was just one power slam. I don't know if they put that much thought into it, but that's what I got from it. And then, as the heels are beating down Balor afterwards, they're going... <laughs> yep. Cesaro uh, was about to make an entrance. <laughs> uh, they're going to powerbomb Finn on the steel steps. The police fan backs into the arena. Yeah, with Roman driving. Of course he is. I'm surprised he didn't drive it into Braun like he did with the last vehicle he, uh, he drove. And Roman comes round, opens the doors, and there's Dean and Seth inside. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it's, uh, it's goofy, but it's wrestling. A lot of people, and like, this is good goofy. This isn't Lashley meditation goofy. Absolutely. I've seen a lot of people be sniffy about this. Of course they are. Oh, it's Labor Day. I don't think they'll find a judge at 7 p.m. (laughs) to clear them and get them out of prison. I mean, yeah, how? I've never been heard of anything turning around in the judicial process, which is, you know, not the most streamlined in this country. Those the how they people, got out
1: so quick. Those are the people that write um, corrections on IMDb. Exactly. Uh, they said they were flying a Boeing 747, but actually, if you look at the markings on the interior, it's actually not that lame at all.
3: <laughs> and sometimes we're those guys. <laughs> I know that. It's just but, fun to do the voice, though. Yeah, cause. but uh, there's, like... I, I thought this was fun. And there's such a rich tradition of stealing official vehicles and driving them back to the arena you were arrested in. Yeah. So I didn't mind it at all. Um, but what know- I did mind again was Kevin Owens coming out to, to to sort of fend off the Shield attacking the heels because it was all it was just all the bad guys from the locker room.
1: Andrew Gulag. Yeah, that was weird. It was really... I was, I was like,
3: is that true Gulak?
1: Because I saw Mike Kanellis and the Ascension, and I'm like, well, it's odd that they're there. But then I thought, why is Drew Gulak there?
3: I I, I would have preferred just a, a beatdown from Strowman and Mackindolf. I don't think you needed another locker room in angle. But I
1: think this was more to put over the... Corbin let it happen Yeah, so yeah, I guess, and, and I, I guess that's kind of the, the story they're telling is that now that Corbin is in charge the heels are sort of running wild and the, the hounds of justice need to step up and fight off against every single heel on the roster which means I'd imagine that's what they're going to do next week the, the Shield will win like this a 12 on 3 <laughs> match um, Randy
3: Orton John Cena style yeah exactly yeah.
1: Like when DX were tag team champions and all they did was just bury every other tag team
3: I wonder if this is going to end in a Kurt Angle, a Team Angle versus Team Corbin oh, it's some match a, it's at Survivor, Survivor series. series. That's
1: where, yeah, with either man's job on the line. Uh, that's like, if Angle wins, he's reinstated. Oh, if God, Corbin- Angle better lose. <laughs> and it'll be like, it'll be The Shield and uh, The Revival and who else would be in there? Bobby, maybe, against Mac and Dolphin, Strowman, the uh whoever the hell. Kevin Owens and whoever else was on the outside, maybe the Ascension. I don't know. Drew Gulak, yeah, and Drew Gulak, Drew Gulak. But yeah, I'd imagine they'll do like maybe a big seven-on-seven tag match at Survivor Series, which which could be really fun. Be different than doing Raw versus SmackDown, which so far has meant sweet (laughs) fa. Remember when Raw won last year, when Triple H and Braun Strowman had that moment, when Triple H won it for both Raw (laughs) and and SmackDown, Smackdown. yeah, and it led to
3: Nelt. Yeah, I just when the heel locker room emptied, it really. Exposed how, how lacking the heel side on Raw is Isn't it just the ascension Like you said Mike and Kanellis. Kanellis Mojo's out there Yeah, And and Jinder And I was like this is your heel
1: side mm. No wonder you had to turn Stroman heel
3: Yeah And I d- and like Owens was out there again And like you said that was, that was a huge huge problem for me Because he's teaming with Braun Yeah which was one of the reasons He was driven out of the company last week Yeah i I really hated that logic hole, yeah, that pre hole <coughs> uh I gave this three out of five though because I did enjoy a lot here, and i'm I'm optimistic about the tag division
1: yeah, I think there are a lot of positives to be having this. I certainly think it was a newsworthy show as well. I think I'd have also gone three out of five, so not the best show ever, not the worst show ever, no, but something. in them it was five, but sometimes if you give a show a four out of five, we're still being too negative, yes. so um i I think this is very much a, a middle of the road show. Some good, some very, very, very bad, um, and Brie missing dives. Mm.
3: That was that was a bit of both, really. It was kind <laughs> of like depressing, but also rather funny at the same time. Particularly yeah. that first one. <laughs> <laughs> it was just watching her take
1: twenty five thousand steps to the ropes, though. Yeah, like it was almost like you know when you're running, like the. Um, um, Scooby-Doo,
3: yes. where you're sort of just running in the place skiddles, and, and everything's
1: yeah. moving past you.
3: I just, because I, I kept on saying on the podcast, when I hear, Bream I just feel like everything goes into dreaded slow motion. Yeah. And she somehow managed to fall through gravity <laughs> in slow motion on that first dive. So would you like to hear a
1: pretty crazy story about one of the members of the group that I was in?
3: Well, yes, and this has been built up for about 20 minutes because you told me back in the coffee shop, that's right, we get sexy coffee round here. That's a benefit of recording in the murder room.
1: Well, I was going to, I mean, I want to talk about that. I mean, I don't want just this whole podcast to be Canada-based mm. or like honeymoon-based. But, so anyway, I mentioned this in the show as well. We had this sort of conversation about, like, what do you do for a living? And there's 13 of us, and we went round. Usually, I would say... On average, those sorts of things conversations take 10, 20 minutes. You go around each person. What do you do? I do this. That sounds cool. Next person. you yeah. sort of Move along. It took us an hour and a half to get round because it turns out we're a very chatty group and we just want to ask questions about people's work. And we That's take it. Lovely. It was really, really nice. It was a really sweet moment. I think it like it, it bonded us very, mm. very, very well, and I think it, it leads to one of us, you know, getting on very well as a as a group. But it comes round to me. Always
3: uh, helps for those orgy situations. Pretty much breaking it's, it's just, in the ice. Well, like
1: I, mean, that. I mean, and as I said, the, I mean, I'm not sure if I said this, but the, there was three lads in a 13 person group. It's a great ratio. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so, it. Got, got round to me, and I have to do the. What do you do? I write and present videos for a YouTube channel. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, you know, what's it about? It's about pro wrestling. Chat about this and the other. And then the girl who was sat next to me is this girl called Denise. Really, really funny. I really, really like Denise. And she was like, oh, a friend of mine's uh, a wrestler. And I said, oh, no way, really. She was like, yeah, have you ever heard of Joe Hendry? What? And All <laughs> Scottish people know each other. And I was like, I do know Joe Hendry. Yeah, it's like, he does some work for our and stuff like that. We, I know him very well. And she was like, "Yeah, no, I, I, like, it was one of my like closest friends." No. Yeah, like she and she even messaged Joe while she while we were away, saying like, "You'll never guess who I'm on a tour with," and it was really funny. Like, it turns out, like she was from Edinburgh. She moved to Glasgow just as he'd gone back to Edinburgh. Then he'd gone to Canada to tape Impact. Yeah. And as she was flying over to canada he was flying back over to scotland so they kept like joking with each other oh we keep missing each other A hot tag on a plane yeah so that was a really really weird sort of small world scenario and the other girl rosie also knew joe because as you said all scottish people mm. know joe hendry but they were I was like we preferred him when he was the local hero we don't like him now he's prestigious sure he's yeah not, he's not local enough anymore
3: cool that that is amazing. I didn't think that was where the story was going.
1: Yeah, but it was really really cool. Like I and I, I got on well with the group, and like Denise and Rosie was so funny. They were really awesome on the the trip. All um, right, why didn't you start a channel with them? Because <laughs> they knew now oh, it's about wrestling, mate. I'm jealous. But I want to have hear- to be about wrestling. I want to hear about your studio sitch that which has changed drastically since I was here. Like not only is like the whole wrestling landscape changed with all in and Braun, Braun Strowman being a heel and right. Becky Lynch.
3: Oh, it's going to be my first experience today of possibly healed Becky Lynch? Question mark. I, I'm hoping Stone Cold Becky Lynch yeah. seemed to be where we ended last week.
1: Okay, so we'll see where that lands uh, uh, on tonight's SmackDown, but also a whole different studio. I had to go. To, I had to mm. get off to a, at a different tube stop today just so happens to be my local tube stock. <laughs> it is indeed, so at least I knew more or less where I was. But how's it, how's it all
3: been? What's the story? So I briefly said this on the first day, because originally this was meant to be a three-day week a th- sorry, a 3 day excursion from the studio. So this was like, what, two Thursdays ago. So we've had, as I've said on the podcast before, a bit of a pigeon problem. Mm-hmm. In the studio that we rent, the studio's kind of in the middle of nowhere... We call it we call it London Zone Six. Yeah, it's generous. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually Zone Five. Is it Zone Five? Yeah. Well, oh, there you go. Uh, we're practically central. <laughs> and it's it's a it's an old building, and we we've had to kind of not use the back room anymore because in the, in the last like few months there's been this. <laughs> that's where we used to record the TV show. It's and the done from above. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, I got a pest control guy guy in. I said, well, how how do we get these these pigeons out? Because they were kind of in a bit we couldn't access. And he was like, oh, I don't know. You'll probably have to rip down the entire ceiling. I was like, what? That sounds like a big job. And and he went, yeah, you see where it's starting to bow there? So the, the ceiling was kind of, it looked heavier in the middle. He said, well, that's because pigeons, when you get a lot of them, they can get quite heavy, and I was like, "Yeah, I guess fifty or so pigeons, which is what we were talking about, could get quite heavy." And then he went, "Oh yeah, and the accumulated fouling." Yeah, and I was like, "And not, and not
1: fouling is in a sports game." No, fouling is in
3: feces, bird poop, poop, and poop game. He said he claimed that a pigeon can drop about a pound of fowl a day. Well, considering that
1: my wife has been pooped on in the mouth.
3: She could probably attest to the fact that it is very heavy and gross. Oh, to buy a pigeon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were just going back to your, ca- your Canada stories again. <laughs> you crazy orgy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was um, that was the, that was what we were we were dealing with. I go away on holiday. I co- well, you know, we're talking to like um, how to get it fixed, come back from holiday. And there seems to be a bit of light, a bit well, more wasn't light. Wasn't really a holiday. You were on your quest to find. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Byron Saxton. yeah. Got found Byron Saxton. It's Chris Jericho. It's <laughs> <Yeah. Anyway, laughs> everyone. Uh, and there was a bit more light in the back room because it's a, an industrial unit, and there's, this our particular room has no natural light. But now it did. This morning it did because the roof had, the ceiling had partially fallen through. Loads of pigeons had come down into the old studio. Ooh, it was horrible. And yeah, so when you went away. I got uh sort of a team to come in, clear it out and take down the ceiling. And uh the first day, that, so this was meant to be 3 days. It was the Thursday, Friday and Monday, and that was okay cuz I could record all the green screen stuff in this new in the murder room as we're calling it just cuz it's all red. Mm-hmm. And then we could go back into the studio on the Tuesday and do Wrestle Ramble with Laurie uh because that's a different, you know, it's a different setup we would have the whole T shirt thing, it's not the most elaborate backdrop, but it is a backdrop, and I get it's a, our backdrop, it's it's our backdrop. <laughs> uh, I got a phone call on Friday morning at like seven thirty am from the waste disposal people and the pest control people just being like, Yeah, we uh, we we came in this morning and there, there was a, a bit of smoke, so the fire brigade came round ripped open all of the rooms that I'd sealed up with plastic sheeting to find the fuse box. They get to the back of the studio and they're like, oh, it's this pigeon has just like died onto a light. <sighs> just a normal light. So it was it was just like gently smoking. Yeah. Ugh. Cooking and, away. Yeah. And they uh they they shower it with water. It just so happens where they spray the hose is above the actual fuse box. They couldn't find. They'd already killed the electricity, but of course now we can't turn it back on. So, uh, yep, that's uh, yeah. that's where that's where it's at at the moment. So we are, yeah, we're here for at the f- least the next month. Yeah, we're here for a little bit. Mm. Um,
1: before we go, two points I just want to make. They're two very quick ones. So I, I feel like I- we need to do live aid <laughs> for the studio. Yeah. So I did get an email in, which is an Agony Arts Request. Oh, yes. But I'm not going to read out this person's name um, because she did uh, request to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. But um, it's about her and her fiancé, who is also a pledge hammer and got her into wrestling and is also on the podcast. And he listens to them more frequently than uh, she does. But I'm not sure we can read this email out because it is saucy. What? And if we want to keep our non-explicit rating, we may not be able to uh, read this one out. But I wanted to read it with you, off air. Then maybe we can give some perhaps advice for her as she has Whoa. asked about it um, w- through um, as vague terms as we possibly could. So okay. I thought we'll do that on tomorrow's episode. Also, I nearly died that while on kinky teas. Uh, I nearly died while we're on my honeymoon. You nearly died. Yeah, so while whitewater rafting. So this is a, this is a serious I nearly died. Well, possibly. Yeah. So on our whitewater rafting, we got towards the end, which was like this sort of like final sort of like level 4 thing that they do, which is like the most that you can legally do as a commercial company mm. taking tours on. And it was really cool, but the guy said to us like, if you guys want to swim in this lake, which is obviously it's like a natural whitewater rafting uh, lake. Um, he said, "You, if you want to swim in it, you have got to do it now because this is going to be your last chance to do it." Okay. And I was in a bit of an awkward position because I couldn't really get over, and he was like, "You just got to throw yourself over." And I did, like, wa- um, like Zack Ryder. Yeah, and I and I did want to swim in this lake because I'd swim swam in a lot of the other lakes and including a glacier one. So I was like, "Yeah, definitely want to do this." So I kind of flung myself over, but got slightly caught, and I ended up falling in. And as I fell in, the boats uh, the raft twisted. And it hit me, oh. and I went underneath the raft. No, and my back hit a rock. Oh, like so, I instantly went poof, and I just then split up. My head hit to the uh, the raft as well. I'm stuck under the raft, and I had to like proper like scramble and swim because I'm swimming against the tide to get myself out the other side. Holy crap! So eventually, I managed to get out the back of the boat and then sort of swim round. And even when I swam round, and I let go, and I accidentally let go. It went away from me and I had to swim to to catch up with it as well. But it was proper scary for something I thought was going to be quite a lark.
3: Did the guy know, was he like keeping tabs on you?
1: I think he was talking to someone else when I did it. So, And then it was funny because I was on the opposite side of the boat to my wife. But when I came back up and to get back into the boat, I was next to her. And at no point did she think, why are you not on my side?
3: Magic trick.
1: (laughs) And when I told her afterwards, she was like, Oh that makes sense Why you were on the same side As oh, me in man. the end That's my worst nightmare That is Drowning Ugh. Oh, It was it was not fun I can right. tell you that much um, But the rest of the experience Was awesome
3: Well what a lovely note To end on Yeah I'm still alive Yes Well we'll have uh, You know Whatever this sexy email is <laughs> Gonna enjoy that Off air And uh, yeah well I, I know you usually Do this bit Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. I do, because we're so out of practice this. we this. You even botched the intro for this. I called it the Wrestle Talk Podcast, <laughs> which would make a lot more sense from a branding perspective. Yes, but we're not all about branding here, are we? That'd be professional.
1: Um, but thank you very much for listening. We'll see you on tomorrow's show when we review SmackDown Live. See what happens on there. I've no idea what's going on with SmackDown at the moment. I think there's a tag tournament or something. It's been okay. It's been okay? Oh, yeah. Cool, that's great. Uh, but we'll see you then. Take care. I love you. Goodbye.